This is Adia. And Aisha. Join us on this podcast journey where we have an existential crisis one episode at a time so you don't have to. But why do that on a podcast, you ask? Because it's better than journaling. Okay. So get comfy and fill your teacup with whatever it is you drink because it's time for an episode of Better Than Journaling. Hi, Miss Adia. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, feeling a little bit um, muted today, I think, but still good. I don't have anywhere to be. That's nice. I can just be muted in my home, having a sense of peace. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I mean, wait, I need to get back to this muted and whether or not muted and having a sense of peace are the same thing. Those, those fit together? Well, I feel muted and it's nice that I don't have to go and be social and interact. I can just be at home in my own space of peace. So to me, yes, they need, it's good when they go together. If I'm feeling like muted or feeling like I need to withdraw and I have to go and be, that sucks. Nice that I don't have to go and be there. All right, you asked me how I'm doing. How am I doing? I am clearly I've been yawning for like the last 10 minutes, but I didn't feel tired until you said that you were tired and then you yawned and then I started yawning and then I just kept yawning. And so, you know, I blame the media. I don't know. I'm good though. I'm good. I'm good. That's awesome. How is your? I don't know. Leave that beast. You know. How's your mental toughness exercise going? Well, we all know that when you call it a mental toughness exercise, I can't fail. So it's going good. I'm like, this is day 15. Right. So you know, 14 gallons of water later. Oh my gosh. Did you know that when you drink a lot of water, you have to pee a lot? Like nobody told me. It's supposed to be better. It's not getting better. You're you're like, we talked about this last week, remember? I like tutored you on this. Yeah. No. I went to dinner on Friday night and had to go to the bathroom, I don't know, three times just during dinner. Now it was it was girls' dinner, so there was a lot of it, it was longer than your average dinner. But yeah, like three times. And then yesterday, drove to Temecula. And <laughs> I don't know, like 25 minutes or so before I was there. And I'm already late, which I don't do late. I'm always on time. But I'm already late. We're 25 minutes out. And I'm like, shit, I need to pee. I need to pee really bad. And then I made the, the mistake of saying that out loud. Because my daughter's like, well, did you go before you left the house? He's like, yes, I went before I left the house. I just drank a lot of water. Well, why would you drink a lot of water when you know that you're going to be on the road for a long time? Spoken like a child who don't get whoopings. Like that, <laughs> that is absolutely like, she sounds exactly like a child who's not oppressed or abused. She, like this, allowed she's to be absolutely a child who don't get whoopings. So sometimes I forget that I am a gentle parent. Sometimes I forget that I have respect for my children and that I allow them to respect themselves and to ask questions and 
uh, and all that, all that jazz. Sometimes I forget. One time I forgot and I gave her the look, you know, the look, we all have the look, the universal, like, like, you know, the universal the black mom look. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I gave her the look and she said, she said something. I can't even remember what she said. And I was like, who are you talking to like that? And she goes, you, you like, keep up dumbass. Like the way, the way, the look on her face is like, she was confused. Like, are you not part of this conversation? Like, obviously we're speaking to each other. She did not understand. She did oh, not understand. When I said, who are you talking to like that? That you were setting a limit and a boundary? Yeah. Yes. She No, she did not hear that as a limit or a boundary. Oh. She heard that as my old ass being confused. Yes. And, and losing track of the conversation. about your well-being and your welfare. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes exactly. And I didn't the question mark. It's not like affirmatively. You. Like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she was just confused about, you know, like, you know, those, those uh, sentences that parents say that like stop halfway through the sentence. Like, yeah. don't, you know what? Don't even, don't even, don't yeah. even. And she's like, yeah. don't even what? Like, don't she don't even. know. She really don't know because she has yeah. no context for being no abused. <laughs> you don't get to be both mommies. You don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so my threats don't work. She's not afraid. Yeah, the, the voice doesn't work. Luckily, she's a wonderful human and, and um, and it's okay that my threats don't work or my pretend threats. And the thing is, I'm good at them. I'm good at it. She just doesn't have any context for this because it has been out of her life. How would you know you're good at it if you've never actually used it successfully? I mean, I've worked with children my whole career. You threaten other people's children? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> No, it's not. No, you know what? It's not that I threaten other other people's children. Although I'll tell you something funny that a kid at a group home said, but not online because I don't want to get CPS called on me. Yeah. Although it didn't happen, but anyway, it's what he said. Anyway, um, it's not that I threaten other people's children. It's that That's other people's children other are children. exactly are yeah. used to being threatened. So when I give a look that's similar to a look that another parent has the given, language. yeah. They speak the language and, and it's not who I want to be. So when I, when I do like lose my shit for just a second and give that mean look, it's not who I want to be. I instantly regret it when I see a kid conform mm -hmm. because of fear, because I don't mm -hmm. want kids conforming because yeah. of fear. So um, I instantly regret it, but I totally. Let's talk about this. Let's move in a different direction. Let's, let's not do that. <laughs> we just did. Yes, exactly. No. Both no. No, 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 no. I would rather you defy me then then do what I just told you to do because you're scared that I might hurt you. Yeah. So. Well, you know what? You know, speaking of that, you know what's been on my mind? What's on your mind? What you been thinking about? Boundaries. Okay. What are those? What are those? <laughs> Boundaries, my friend. Um, and you know, I think about it a lot lately. I, you know, we were in that what, supervision group, I guess you'll call it, on Thursday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah. what became abundantly clear is that none of the professionals in that space mm -hmm. had, have, or exercise very healthy or consistent professional boundaries in the workspace 
Mm-hmm. Monday through Friday. I'm not going to talk about people's weekends. That's their own business. But well, let's Monday- let's be clear so that nobody gets all excited. Uh, when we talk about us not exercising professional boundaries, we do not mean that we're screwing our coworkers. What we mean right. is, yeah. <laughs> I mean that no one's taking a lunch break. Everyone's blown. No one's taking a lunch, lunch break. break. All of their meetings are staffed one after another, after another, after another. There's no moment. At, and you know, he was insinuating that we should be like taking time to clear our minds between meetings. <laughs> the gall of him. Uh, it was, I, all of us were stunned and there was just crickets and while he was talking, there were awkward right. pauses. He was expecting for us to be, yeah, in the affirmative, or yes, I do that. And there was just eyes looking back and forth on the, on the Zoom screen, like, uh, who's going to tell him, you know? Right, um, right, right. So, yeah. so for context, we should say what this was, what this group yeah, was. I don't think anybody has time to be screwing with their clients, to be perfectly honest. Like, <laughs> right. I just say clients, I said coworkers. Uh, well, you know, there's not actually a policy against that. <laughs> In case you're wondering. That's true. I, I have not read up on it because I've been married longer can. than I've worked there. I, fair. I, I appreciate that because you have good boundaries. You must be a rule follower. I need to know what people are going to get up for. Now you can be fired <laughs> for having such a good coworker on campus. That's, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's different. So there, different. So that's where the boundary is. Yeah, because children live there. So, oh, good know. point. Good point. Fair, fair, yeah. fair. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Keep your bits I feel like there's a story there that I should hear offline. Yeah, perhaps. But let me let me set some context. You talked about the group that we were in on Thursday. So uh, we just started at our workplace a group where we get together with people of similar, um, like with similar responsibilities across mm-hmm. the agency. So, t- so typically it's gonna be somebody in leadership in the agency. Right. And it's supposed to be a space, a reflective space where we get to talk about uh, the things that are kind of on our minds that are not, that are work related, but not business related. You know, so like whatever is heavy about the job, whatever's bothering you and, and to get feedback from colleagues about that but it's not about business it's about like yourself in the workplace what? so we <laughs> yeah there's a whole self in the workplace did you know that I mean you remember I told him that this this that moment that moment in time is a part of my self-care so I don't <laughs> right. care that that was that, what this was going to be for me that moment in time that one hour a month that yeah. we get to sit there and have this uh communal it was time. part of my self-care it wasn't all of my self-care but it's part of it for sure Okay, fair, fair. Valuable, maybe a cornerstone. Yeah, so we're in that space on on Thursday, a couple days ago, and uh, we're talking about how we're doing and Mm -hmm. recognizing that we show up at work whatever time we do. Usually it's early as fuck, like that's the time the clock says when we get there. And then we leave whenever we leave and usually the clock says late as fuck. Mm -hmm. And even if we're working from home, Sometimes it's even worse because there are no parameters around it. And, and there's just no kind of limit setting. There's no, there's no time to say no to the next project, especially if you're ambitious. There's no time to say no to the, to the needy staff member who needs your help with something because although you are depleted, you do care about them and want to be yeah. helpful. And, and you know that you know, And that they what? And the families that they serve, right? You care about them. And the families well. that they serve, right, absolutely. Yeah. So we do care about these folks and we do, it is our job to help them. And we would anyway, because we care about them, but there's just no, 
like you said, meetings are back to back. So I have a seven o'clock, at eight o'clock, at nine o'clock, at 10 o'clock, and 11 o'clock, a theoretical 12 o'clock to 1230 lunch, then a 1230, a 130, a 230, a 430, and a 430. Um, and there's no time even in between these meetings. I'm sorry, to... I'm at pause. So your theoretical lunch break is 30 minutes? My theoretical lunch break is non-existent. And so... <laughs> theoretical but your theoretical lunch break is 30 minutes my theoretical lunch break is a full 60 okay like i am taking a lunch break so That's i very true. rarely take lunch at, so there is I no never such thing it's never happened. as a true we're talking yeah. about theoretical it's a theory yeah there's no lunch break there's no. there's there's lunch if i choose to go out with somebody most of the time, if I choose to go out with somebody, I'm going out with somebody for a working meeting, and that'll be like a 90-minute working meeting where we have lunch. Some sometimes shoot the shit and then do some work. But um, if there is a meal eaten during the daytime, it is eaten in front of a computer. Yeah. Uh, while I'm talking to somebody, usually. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. There will be a meal eaten on my end, and it will be eaten in front of a computer. Um, for sure, um, there may be a meeting that's also happening at that same time, or it may may be emails that are taking place. But there will be a right, um, right. So, yes. Um, how, did, how did we get here? How did we get here? Where different people? There were at least three different departments represented in that in that meeting. But I feel like if we had every department, we would have the same mm -hmm. same uh, result. How do we get here? where three different departments are all looking at our facilitator like he has lost his fucking mind <laughs> when he suggests that we take a break in between meetings. Yeah, 10 minutes even, every hour. That, yeah, that, was, that was wild. Um, well, we got there because definitely my boss, my boss was, would not be on board with that. Um, you don't think so? Even in theory? That uh, face, that face, what is that face communicating to? I don't know that my boss has an active imagination. My boss is a very <laughs> concrete thinker. She, so, that's true. Yeah, I don't know that theory works so well for my boss. Um, yeah, I just think my boss would immediately think about lost productivity. Like, okay, so how many hours are you going to work in a day where you can afford to take 10 minutes an hour uh, away, right? And you need to also have a lunch break? Okay, cool. So we've now definitely secured, you know, a 55, 65 work week, hour work week, like 100%. I already got that. I already got that, but I think your boss would understand the, like she would understand the productivity aspect of if I take 10 minutes, feels like a long time, but if I take five minutes between meetings, we're not talking about, we're still talking, you're still having both meetings. You're still having the one o'clock meeting and the two o'clock meeting. You're just putting 10 minutes between them. So I don't know how much lost productivity there actually is if you put 10 minutes there, but also, how much more productive are you in the two o'clock meeting if you can arrive at that two o'clock meeting fully present because you gave yourself a break between the one o'clock and the two o'clock meeting? I don't see my boss implementing some type of like policy or talking about this publicly, encouraging everyone to do it. My boss is going to be fine with me 
secretly having that practice to take care of my <laughs> not wanting it to spread like malaria across the entire program because malaria my boss I need to be vivid in my descriptions of how the experience is going to be for my boss and for others my boss is going to be <laughs> concerned with the one person who's gonna you know not do well uh, have a hard time respecting a hard boundary right uh, you know and then showing up and, and being productive you know at that uh, two o'clock meeting you know after their 150 to two o'clock break so my, my boss is going to worry about the worst case scenarios I think um, my boss think would fully support this plan my boss would fully support this plan probably mm -hmm. only because she knows that none of the people she actually oversees would ever actually do this. So she doesn't have to worry about whether we're gonna be productive. What does your boss worry about? I'm triggered every time <laughs> the boss is brought up. Like, I'm just so annoyed. Are we editing that part out? <laughs> yeah, no, she's, she's hella laid back. She's hella laid back, which works when the people she supervises are type A. Moving on. So, <laughs> You know, currently I experience this, this struggle with setting and maintaining boundaries. I experience it in the workplace. Um, I, I also feel like I experience it in the workplace that way because of, you know, there was something you said earlier about like, if you're ambitious, then you kind of set yourself up in certain ways to take on more, being more thorough, whatever, like handling it on your own instead of maybe delegating or seeking support or developing a stronger network. I also think that there's that other added layer of being black and being female in the workplace that where I don't feel like I'm specific. Well, okay, that's not fair. I do feel like I've been mentored um, and grown into a stronger leader, a more focused and um, efficient leader, intentional leader. But I also feel like that just comes with its limits. You know what I mean? Like it's, I'm, I'm, I'm being groomed to be a leader. I feel like in a very kind of specific space. I think I can, I'm more flexible in my, how I use those leadership skills, but I'm, I'm being groomed to lead a specific program, you know? Um, right. I don't know that I'm being mentored to the best of my full potential. You know, I'm being groomed to support the needs of this organization, yeah? Mm -hmm. So right. I think that there are a few opportunities that we do have where we are being grown and developed and supported. And so that in turn, that leads to us saying yes to lots of things and everything, looking at it as an opportunity for growth and development. Like I'm going to miss out on this if I don't, what could this potentially hold for me? This is going to potentially be great X, Y, or Z. Yes, I'll do this and recognition and you know all of the things that may potentially come out of saying yes to something and so we say yes to almost everything um yeah for me saying yes is just like you said about the potential for other opportunities but it's also about and it probably started more about uh not wanting to be perceived as lazy or incompetent mm -hmm. so if i say no to something if i set a boundary uh, people are going to think either I can't do it or I'm too lazy to do it. Now, I'm not worried about anybody thinking I'm incompetent or lazy, but I am worried about what setting a boundary does to 
my ability to continue to climb if that's what I want to do. And I don't even know if that's what I want to do, but I don't feel, I feel like every decision affects the future possibilities, right? So I, I may not want to move up, let's say in this company, maybe, or maybe I do, maybe I don't want to move up in this, in this company, but I feel like every possible no makes it less likely that the, that's going to be an option. And even if I don't know if I want the option, I don't want to do something that gets in the way of having the option. Yeah, absolutely. Don't want to get in the way of me having options in the future. That's definitely something that I considered a ton or has always been the deciding factor for me when I'm saying like, I don't even think about it. Just like, that's initially the thought that comes and I'm like, so then I say yes. Um, mm -hmm. So that doesn't lend to my ability or my, I don't know, just even having like the need, recognize that I have the need to set boundaries in that way. Right, right. It doesn't become a muscle that I flex regularly enough for it to be instinctual for me to consider whether or not, like one of your staff members was saying during the meeting, she was talking about how she like considers, and I think you were describing her previously about like, she considers whether or not she like can or wants to, or has the energy to do it. I was like, right. what in the white privilege? <laughs> was just a astonished astonished yeah. is the word i would use my lap my mouth was left the gate okay yes. um and just shaking my head like wow that must be nice so i think about that it shows up for me in the workplace um it shows up for me in like family relationships <clears throat> excuse me romantic relationships and friend relationships so just all of my relationships and general boundaries i mean for everyone right but I think about how currently it's more of a it's more of a feeling that I recognize I'm having that leads me to consider whether or not I need to reconsider, renegotiate my boundaries, the boundaries that have been set in the relationship. Um, I recognize feeling frustrated, maybe agitated, or disappointed, even maybe overwhelmed or confused consistently confused maybe um those are generally a combination of feelings i experience when the boundaries are not set or clear or mutually agreed upon within the relationship and it warrants a conversation or a few you know around the subject matter yeah you know what's funny is outside of work i have excellent boundaries excellent boundaries i am like no fuck i i cut people off like, oh, we're just, we're just not friends anymore. And I get this from my dad because he does that shit too. He's like, I'm done with you. And when he's done with you, he's done with you. He doesn't care if you're his kid, his parent, his best friend, his boss. He doesn't care. And I hate that about him. However, comma, however, it's effective. It's effective. I have great boundaries. Ask, ask my mother-in-law how my boundaries are. I won't, but I will, yeah, you know. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And she has no boundaries, so she'll tell you. Like so a person comes to me, not in therapy, because in therapy, I try to be way more reflective than this, but a friend comes to me telling me that another friend did something that was really hurtful or offensive to them. And I'm like, well, why are you still friends? Like I go straight the fuck there. <laughs> yes, that's exactly my lived experience. I wanted to talk about that because I feel like, <laughs> 
there there wasn't um there I was never raised with we never talked about the word boundaries I don't know anybody in my family that would use the word boundaries ever like they right no I don't know that anybody in my family knows that word boundaries honestly maybe the new generation like my nephew's son like he might use the word boundaries right like he's born in 96 he's probably used that word a ton he's the one that taught me about his uh private square or whatever and don't touch me there and (laughs) sing a a whole song or whatever and I was like that's amazing my goodness Um, but I think about how like, you know, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't something I was taught growing up, you know, children are to be seen and not heard. And so there's this, mm-hmm. there's this underlying understanding that you are not a full or real person. Like you are an extension of someone else. And so right. whatever they say is good is like good enough. It's good enough for them. It's good enough for you. So there's no individuality. There's no like you being an equal part or participant in the relationship, right? It's very one-sided. And so I think like that, that kind of, that kind of came up. So I don't think like intent boundaries or anything that were ever like intentionally done. Like it was just, we're going along, bumping up against each other or whatever until something happens that's upsetting or off-putting. And then there's like silence or there's like flat out arguing there's right there's like assumptions and accusations right so the assumptions right. are silent and the accusations are like directly kind of out there right right right, right. right right um it feels like you know like pressure and frustration and being overwhelmed and like I said before like that confusion and that unease and in my family it looked a lot like distance or just cutting it off right we're done we're done right. I don't, we don't have to do that anymore I don't want to do that anymore and so I don't know my question for you is like Yes, that is a type of a boundary, but is that really setting a boundary or is that like avoidance? Uh, it, I mean, it might be both. It might be both. Here's, here's what the boundary is around. The boundary is around my emotional safety and my peace. So I spend, and I, you know, my first, my first job in the field was at a daycare center at a domestic violence shelter. So I wasn't, I was, I wasn't a social worker yet, but I was, you know, the first time I started looking at mental health and that sort of thing. <clears throat> so I was like 18, living in Atlanta, working in a domestic violence shelter in the daycare. And very quickly became probably before that, uh, with some family stuff, but certainly very quickly became aware of what happens when you don't set limits with people who want to hurt you. And I just, I just have felt really strongly that because since I was at least 18 years old, a lot of my time is dedicated to holding other people's stress and trauma and distress that I didn't want that present in my life in, in, any, in any higher doses than were necessary. So I don't have friends who have a lot of drama. So I'll have a friend who doesn't have a lot of drama and something dramatic happens and then we can do it. But if you're a person who has a lot of drama, I do drama for a living. And so I don't need that in my personal life. Like I have this much capacity. I, I can take this much of it um, yeah. and I can handle it well. Um, but that's because I can go somewhere and close a door and, and be away from it. I can have conversations with like-minded people and we can be in in you know, mutual relationships. But if I find myself in a relationship where uh, the, the pattern in this relationship is you have a problem, you come to me, I hold space for you, I help you solve the problem, and then we have calm, and then you have another problem, and then you come to me, like that, 
I don't, I don't do relationships like that. Mm -hmm. So when people tell me, you know, oh, my friend such and such is, you know, let's say when politics were, uh, when the election was going on and they would say, you know, they, they had this friend that supported this particular candidate and they're right. like, yeah, so when we get together, we don't even, we, we just stay away from that topic. And I'm just like, why are you still, like, if, if your values are that different, then I don't, I don't understand why you're friends with that person. Yeah. Now I have, a, I have associates who I like, who I'll, you know, like I'll do a group thing with them or whatever, but I'm not going to lunch one-on-one -on -one with a friend who has very different values than me mm -hmm. because I'm protecting my peace. I, I don't want to be in a conversation with somebody who I can't talk about certain things with because it might be a landmine. Yeah. I need, I need my real life to be as calm as possible. And so that's what I'm protecting. So in some senses, you could say that I'm avoiding finding a solution with people. I guess I would say I'm deciding whether or not that person is uh, important enough in my life to find a solution. And if they are, then I'll figure it out. But if you have been consistently hurtful or if you've, you've consistently disturbed my peace, yeah. um, then I don't, I don't feel the need to fix that. I always say, uh, it's not who you're related to, it's who you relate to. So even family members, I have family members that I would not donate blood to and friends that I would donate the kidney to. Like I, there, there are some reasons why people yeah. are in my life. There are some reasons why I keep certain people close and reasons why I keep other people far away. Yeah. And I feel I'm avoiding drama and I'm, and I'm protecting my peace. I'm setting a boundary around my emotional safety. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that makes sense to me. I feel like that's a similar way that I have moved and continue to move in the world. It's when I think about as I've gotten older, it's how, how consistent something has to be consistent before I get to that place. And with some people, it just needs to be like one thing that happens. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Depending right. on what that one thing is. And other people, it's like, Ooh, you know, um, it's few and far between annoying or frustrating or it's stressful when it arises, but it's not a huge that question, question between whether it's more distance, would you say? I said, that's that question between whether it's ego dystonic or ego syntonic, right? Yeah. So if I have a friend who never does anything wrong and then they do something and I'm, I'm the word right. wrong is very judgmental of me, right. but something that, that hits me wrong. Um, so I have a friend that does something that hits me wrong and typically they're cool. And then this one thing comes up. I'm not like, oh, we're not friends anymore because I assume that that thing that hurt me is not core to your character because if it was, we would have broken up a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But if I barely know you, or if I'm getting, if I'm forming a relationship with you and you do one or two things that are just like, if that shit was happening through our whole relationship, that wouldn't work. I'm not yeah. trying to form that relationship and then break up with you later. I'm just like, okay, this probably, we're probably just not a good match. Nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with me. We're just not a good match. Yeah, definitely something wrong with you. Definitely nothing is wrong with me. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like it's like you said, you know, it's like for me, I'm at, I'm to a place where it's it's a gut feeling, you know, it's a mm -hmm. gut feeling that I have really early on. I don't think it was it wasn't like that before, definitely not, and I didn't have that obviously this level of like insight to to be able to see that this is reasonably going to continue to happen into the foreseeable future because this is who you are, mm -hmm. who I am, um, and now I'm feeling 
much more confident about boundaries and not feeling guilty um, for needing to, needing or wanting to set them, however small or large they may be. And absolutely feeling like, oh, you're struggling with that? That is a you problem, not a me problem. And I, for someone who has a, a struggle with me setting a boundary, uh, that that is another conversation that's for me needs to have like, that's kind of abusive of you. Do you see how that might be true? You know, and, and see how they deal with that, you know? Um, but yeah, boundaries. I do. I am definitely comfortable with saying it out loud. Like, I'm not just like, this person did this. I didn't like it. Okay. I'm never calling them again. It's usually they do this and I'm like, Hey, that felt funny to me. What do you think? And if the response is, huh, well, let me tell you where I was coming from. That wasn't the intention. Let's talk this through, yada, yada, yada. Then we might be good. If the intention is like, oh, gaslighty, like how could you possibly be offended by that? And why are you being so sensitive and all that bullshit? I'm like, okay, then we're good. Like, th yeah. thanks for letting me know who you are. And it's nothing, I'm serious. I'm not saying there's something wrong with those people. I'm just saying we're not compatible. We're not compatible for friendship because I need something different from a relationship than you need. And I don't think people should have to change. I don't think you have to change to be friends with me. Be who you are. If that's not compatible with me, I just won't hang out with you. And that's fine with me. I have even, like I go to like on little road trips with friends and we'll get an Airbnb or something like that. And I'm like, I need to have my own room in my own bathroom. And I'm willing to pay extra for that. That's my boundary. I need space. Me and both of my kids are uh, like, we'll disappear. Like we'll be at a party or whatever. My kids both will get overwhelmed. They'll disappear to their room. I'll get overwhelmed. I'll disappear. I could have a party at my house that's for me. Yeah. And at some point, somebody will look around and be like, where's Aisha? Aisha's mm -hmm. in her room, deep breathing, because she's yeah. a bit overwhelmed. So I need to have my own space. And, and I don't need anybody to agree with that. Like either I have my own space and I'm willing to pay for it, or I'll just get an Airbnb down the street from where the rest of y'all are. And I don't mind. I don't mind. We go on vacation. I don't feel bad if people go out without me. I want to lay in my bed and listen to a podcast. That's what I want to do on my vacation. Mm -hmm. People are like, we got to all be together. I don't want to all be yeah. together. <laughs> I want to be together when I want to be together. And when I don't want to be together, then I don't want to. And I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me or to feel like they're leaving me out or to feel like I must do a uh, series yelling at me or I must do what, um, what the whole group is doing. Yeah, like well, really... I'm rejecting you or uh, abandoning you or something like yeah. that, right? Like, no, I'm taking care of me. You're going to need to figure out how to take care of you where it doesn't involve me for however long I need to have my own space and my own time. But I hang out with people that are good with that. I hang out with people that would be like, Aisha, come on, let's go with us. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And yeah. they're like, oh, you should come. And I'm like, no, really, I don't want to. And they're like, we know Aisha. If she says no, she really kind of means no. So mm -hmm. we should let so I'm good with those kind of boundaries. Why that does not, well, I was about to say why that doesn't translate to work, I don't know, but I guess we already talked about why it doesn't translate to work because I'm ambitious yeah. because I'm black. And, and you can't be ambitious and black and have good boundaries at the same time. That's probably not a true statement, but that's what feels true to me. It feels true in different settings. I feel right. like if we were in a different setting that were, is the word progressive still a thing? <laughs> that were, <laughs> you know further evolve, I guess. Um, I do think that it would be a thing. I also know that, you know, nonprofits are constantly 
perpetually underfunded and under-resourced. And so most people are wearing, you know, more than two hats. Um, right. And also, that's another reason why people find it hard to stay. It was, I don't remember what book I was reading, but it was basically like nonprofit is like a white woman world because they have the resources to be able to dedicate and, and also not get paid like a wonderful salary to be right. dedicating so much of themselves and their time and their future, you know, basically. Uh, and I was like, it kind of blew my mind. You know what I mean? That like people of color obviously work in nonprofits for a variety of reasons. It's, you know, the communities that they either came up in or still live in that they're dedicated to and communities of people that they resonate with. And also it's not necessarily for you to be able to thrive in that type of an environment. Yeah. Right, right. I was, I'm part of a, a different nonprofit that I don't work for, but I, I do a lot of work with them. And I, it's a, it's an organization that's pretty important to me. And it is really built a lot on volunteer labor and your ability to move up in this, in this organization and get like rack up the certifications that this organization provides has to do with how much you're able to volunteer. Mm -hmm. So somebody will, let's say, teach a class and then they'll say, if anybody wants some experience, you can volunteer to teach this class with me, in which is cool and all. Yeah. But who can afford to go to Spain? Who can afford to take a few days off of work or who's not working so that they can do yeah. that? Um, so because this organization is built on volunteer labor and on, on, on this idea of, you know, we're doing this not for the money because we are doing it not for the money, but we're doing this not for the money, but because of the ways in which it helps the community. The only people that can advance and level up and, and get certifications are the people who have the economic capital and the social capital and the, and the resources at home, like the partner that can take care of the kids if you're gonna travel to Spain to teach a class as an apprentice and, and pay for your hotel and your flight and your, you know? so. In that sense, yes, it feels like nonprofits are a white woman's world. It's, it's, it's certainly the world for people who have resources. Yeah. So boundaries, feeling better about them, much less guilt these days around them, still feeling the impact on the other person, especially when they struggle with setting boundaries in their own life. Mm -hmm. uh, and recognizing a boundary or respecting a boundary um, yeah, but it's I, an improvement, think, definitely my life, I think my well-being has greatly improved. I think very recently in the work world, you know, there are some regular day-to-day -day boundaries, like, you know, not taking a lunch break and stuff like that, that I'm still not good at. I am much better at saying no to projects that, that I'm not excited about. Like I like projects, so if somebody brings something to me that I really want to do anyway, I'm probably going to say yes, even though yeah. I don't have time. I want to do that thing anyway. I'm better at saying no to things that don't matter to me as much, only in the last year or two, but only because, I don't know how to say this without sounding, I don't know, cocky or something, only because I've recently learned that I'm reasonably good at what I do, you know? And so... I don't need to prove myself constantly with saying yes to all of these projects because mm -hmm. at least in the setting that I'm in, 
people know that I'm reasonably, reasonably good at what I do. And I've, maybe I've been reasonably good at what I do for a long time now and I just didn't know it. Um, and I thought that I had to, had to demonstrate that and prove that over and over and over again. But I have noticed that when I've said no to projects recently, um, I don't have as much anxiety about it. And I don't have the sense that people are like, she's lazy. I have the sense that people are like, she's busy. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, that's how we talk about you in my program. <laughs> Y'all talk about me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lord. Well, now I need to know what that is. What do you mean? I mean we want your time and your resource and your help, but we recognize that you're not available because you're busy. So oh. then we don't ask again, because <laughs> we're like, she's busy. Probably not going to be able but to my, ask get help. For but my guess another is several this, months type of living. Yeah. yeah. My guess is yeah. the stuff that y'all would uh, call me about, I'd be interested in. But I used yeah. to say yes to every project, whether it, it excited me or not. Now mm -hmm. I still say yes to too many, but I only say yes to the ones that excite me mm -hmm. for the most part. <laughs> it does depend who's asking. If my boss is asking, I'm way more likely to say no. If it doesn't excite me, then like if the yeah, CEO- Yeah, if your boss asks, I definitely say no. <laughs> but I've had a couple of things that the CEO has asked me to do and I'm like, sir, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So even if they don't excite me as much. I like this conversation. I feel like uh, more of this is necessary. I would love to talk to people of different cultural backgrounds about boundaries and when they first learned about boundaries and how they set boundaries. And I would love to talk to, you know, those that identify and who are identified in the world as male um, about setting boundaries and whether or not they feel like they need to and what that's like or what people set when people set boundaries with them, um, I would love to have this conversation grow. Yeah, me too. I think that I imagine that the experiences that we have as Black women might be similar to the experiences of other women, including white women, in terms of, of not being able to say no to certain things. Maybe for different reasons, but I feel like because I've spoken to colleagues that the saying no part uh, feels fairly consistent. What I'm super curious about, but I've only ever worked for nonprofit. So what I'm super curious about is whether or not it looks different in the for-profit world, mm -hmm. the boundary setting looks different in the for-profit world uh, mm -hmm. of, of like the helping professions, but in the for-profit world, because yeah. I know if I was talking to a female lawyer, she'd be like, like, yeah, you say yes to everything because you need to. <laughs> um, but I'm wondering in the in a similar setting as ours, but for profit, if it looks different. Yeah. Totally. Well, I enjoyed that conversation, Fran. Me too. Thanks for sharing what's been on your mind. Yeah, yeah it's been itching up my brain. So thanks for letting me spill a little bit. I appreciate it. I always value your perspective. Yours as well. What do you want to leave the people with this week? You know, I want to leave the people with the idea that listening to your gut is an important aspect in what I, what I call self-care. Uh, it's an experience of growth for sure, but listening to your gut will lead you in positive directions. Mm -hmm. So tune in. Yeah, 
I will leave the people this week with uh, protect your peace, make decisions that, that center your own peace and that center your own dignity. Preach. I like that. I like and that. that's a whole that's a whole conversation too. That is a whole conversation. We'll have to have it one day. Yeah, soon. I like that. Thank you, friend. You have a good evening. Thank you, Miss Adia. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey friends. Now you know that was better than journaling. If you like this, give us a five-star review and share us with the rest of your friends.